Hello and welcome to the first episode of a Play Sheet podcast. I'm Joe Simpson. I'm with Charles Horton. Hi. And uh, today we're going to take you through a little bit of general chat about NFL. Just to give you a bit of context around who we are and why we're doing this. We're two friends from university. One of us is a very, very in-depth NFL sports fan buff. And the other one's probably come a little bit later to the game. I've kind of picked up interest in the NFL over the last three years or so. Our aim here is to very much give you some information with maybe a bit of a statistical mind, bit of knowledge, bit of in-depth context and understanding of the sport. But also there's something there for those casual fans as well. If you're just looking to dip your toe into fantasy or whether it's just to get more information on the sport itself. That's right. And as fans of the sport will know, uh, it can be enjoyed on many levels from a casual fan like Charles mentions to the more in-depth X and nose guy. And hopefully we'll have something to cater for everyone. So to kick us off then, big news that's just broken over the last couple of days, Cam Newton to the New England Patriots. Now this is huge news, but I don't think it's too much of a surprise to most people. I think that when you looked at the needs that the New England Patriots had, you saw Cam was still out there as a free agent. It's the off-season trade that a lot of people have been waiting for. It seems obvious. New England, were, they were probably never going to go into the season with Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer in the quarterback room. Cam Newton's there was been a, out there. There was a lot of chat that they liked who they had as as Brady's backup though, wasn't it? They were posturing a bit. They were, they were giving it like, oh yeah, well, we've we've got someone decent that Brady's been training up, he's ready. So to uh, to sweep in for, for Cam, they've kind of double-backed on that a bit, haven't they? I think that's just standard Belichick, really, and yeah. everything should be expected from him at this kind of stage. He's always going to keep you guessing, isn't he? I think when you look at the experience that they had there, I mean... Brian Hoyer is a veteran, but he's he's not exactly a winner in the mould of the Patriots. Jarrett did him through four passes last year and completed as many passes as Edelman did. Edelman only had two attempts, so... Special tricks play Edelman. <laughs> Special tricks play two out of two. Uh, Stidham was two out of four passes. I think he had more successful trick plays than Brady, though, in fairness to him. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're looking at Stidham... To rest the whole Patriots organization on his shoulders, I don't think there's any shock that they bought in Cam Newton. I think what's interesting is a contract that Cam Newton's on. It's a one-year deal. So in terms of a transition, they may still have Stidham in as the long-term future of the organization. That still might happen there. There's still a lot of concern about Cam Newton in terms of his shoulder, in terms of will he be fit enough. Which is interesting why he took a a one-year deal, right? Because you'd have thought if there was concern around that health area of of his uh, game that he'd want to shore that up and get a bit of security, right? Well, look where we are now. We're towards the end of June and he wasn't with the team. With everything that's going on with COVID and the pandemic out there, I mean, teams aren't going to have long training camps. There's not going to be a lot of time to prove yourself in the training camps. So teams are less willing to take that risk. And there are teams who are always looking for a quarterback. There's teams who would take a risk on a player like Cam. But I think this year is different. When you don't have that training camp to look at a player, you don't have the opportunity to work with a player and maybe work around the limitations that he has. Because Cam isn't the same player that he was three, four years ago. The injury that he's had, the injuries that he's had. He's a player who's working with limitations now. It's game management for him in terms of how he has to play and how he has to operate. And there's just not enough time for teams to come up with solutions to that with the length of preseason that we have here. 
obviously though the Patriots are an organization that are very good at doing these kind of things at taking a player at quickly working with them and that's what they're going to do here I, I, yeah. I, I, I think it's a great deal for them they've basically got him on the cheap when you look at for example what the uh, Bears did trading for Foles and paying his contract and then New England have picked up Cam Newton for uh, what is it, 6.5 mil a year nothing on the salary cap it's great business low risk high upside it's a great deal. Absolutely. So I suppose the question is then, last year, New England Patriots, great defense. They still had Brady, who was world class, but they couldn't quite get it over the line. Didn't make it through that conference finals. I suppose the real question with New England Patriots is that receiver call, right? Does Cam bring enough to make them competitive again because all they've done is swap Brady for Cam. There's there's still quite a few missing pieces there in New England. That's a great question and it's going to be really, really interesting to see what the Patriots do with Cam Newton. Like I said, he's a player who's working with limitations right now. He isn't the same player that he was during his MVP season. It's not his fault. He's had injuries. These things happen. This happens through the career of players. You've, you've, you've got to work with the drawbacks you've got there. But Cam is still a dual threat player. He will work with his legs. Since the turn of the millennium, the Patriots have had QB rushes equal to what Cam has done in the past four seasons. New England haven't played with a mobile quarterback in the same way that Cam Newton is for a very long time. Yeah. So if they're going to fully get the most out of Cam, they're going to have to change how they've been playing. But that's if they want to play Cam like that. Now, don't forget, Cam is six foot five. He can throw the ball very well. He he can be, if he is that limited, he can just be a pocket passer. But that goes back to the injury. The injury was an arm-shoulder injury. So although they were trying to protect him at Carolina and they were trying to extend him for as long as a time, he did normally get up from the hits. It's the shoulder that's let him down. It's going to be interesting to see what New England do there. Will they... I suppose the one thing it, it does give you is that, that, I mean, New England have decent running backs or half-decent running backs in New Kid, Sonny Michelle. They've got James White, who's a good pass-catching running back. I mean, they've still got Rex Burkhead there in the mix. If their receiving core is a little bit weak, then actually having a mobile quarterback and those running back option plays, I suppose it keeps teams guessing, right? And it might mean that they don't have to rely so much on that wide receiver core? Yes and no. Like, I mean... When you look at where the Patriots fell down last year, as you mentioned, ultimately there were many times during the season where the defence dragged that team along. They finished 12-4, and any team that finishes 12-4 is a good team, but it was heavily skewed towards the D. You look at the receiver core there, I mean, Edelman had a little over 1,100 yards. Once you go past that, it tails off. The second most receiving yards was by James White. That's about 600 odds. After that, you're down to Phil Dorsett in the mid-300s, Jacoby Myers. There's not really a receiver core there, and the receiver core wasn't strengthened during the draft. Now, they've got Nikhil Harry coming back. He was on IR for the start of last season. He started five games, only ended up with 105 yards, and that's not great return from a first-round pick, albeit he was injured for a fair part of the season. Nikhil Harry will have to come good. If Nikhil Harry doesn't come good, they are definitely going to be short at the receiving core. And, and yeah, and there's going to be problems there. Yeah, absolutely. So then I suppose you've got the flip side of this, right? With Cam coming to New England, you've got Brady to the Bucks and he's gone to reunite with a few old friends there. 
Brady to the Bucks now. <sighs> Call me cynical, but this smells like the Browns last year. It, it feels, <laughs> and I know that, that, that this is quite a common way of describing it in many forums and chat rooms out there. You look at the Browns last year and everyone was hyping ODB, Landry, whoever else was on that roster. Like, that was a hyped, hyped team last year. Yeah, it really was. And the Browns, they were underwhelming. They they were underwhelming. Um, what, did they finish 7-9? Was it 7-9 that they finished? I think so, yeah. And they were being touted as the offence to watch. Like, I mean, look, Brady didn't have a bad 2019. In terms of his yardage, a little over 4,000 yards, which is bang average for him like in 20 odd seasons that was his 10th most yards in that time frame touchdowns 24 25 against eight interceptions i mean that's solid it's not stellar but it's solid completion percentage dropped down to 60 percent. now look how much of that is because he was working with receivers who aren't top draw you know this is what's hard to say here was there a decline from brady or was he working with a tough cast I think it's probably the former because when you look at the kind of history of Brady, he hasn't always had great players around him, but he's always managed to put up a better completion percentage normally than 60%. So he's dropping off. You look at Gronk. I mean, Gronk Gronk looked like a puny boy uh, once he stopped playing. Like, he like, did like, to I mean, me, I, that muscle mass fell off quick. <laughs> I don't know how much weight he dropped there. It was ridiculous. He, he looked like he'd never been in a gym. And fine, <laughs> he's got himself back. They're saying that he's back up to shape. But I mean, he hasn't caught football in anger for two years now. And I mean, you look at the last season that he had in New England as well. He wasn't really being played as a pass catcher too much at all. He was being played mainly as a blocking tight end. Yeah. So I don't have high expectations for Gronk. Let's put it this way. I wouldn't be drafting him high in fantasy leagues. I mean, I think as well with Gronk, I mean, I'm a big Belichick fan. I think he was a large part of Gronk's success in the way that New England used the tight end and the plays that they drew up that gave the option for Gronk to be that. I don't know if Tampa Bay, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what their offensive plays end up looking like because who was the tight end previously at the Bucks? You had OJ Howard in there, didn't you? Right, and he was someone that was really touted as going to be the next big thing, right? There was a lot of hype around Howard and every single year it seemed to be, this is Howard's year, this is Howard's year, and it never came. And I wonder how much of that is down to the talent and how much of that is down to the plays that they draw up. And I wonder if with Tampa Bay, that's an environment for Gronk to flourish in in the same way that he has done with the mastermind of Belichick and the New England Patriots. Yeah, and I partially agree with you there. But I think a lot of it will come down to the player that Gronk is. If Gronk is still the dominating physical presence that he was during the peak Gronk years, then... I mean, he was at WrestleMania, Joe. Let's not <laughs> let's not forget. It was only too recently that he just lost the... 24-7 belt. 24-7 yeah. belt. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely mugged off of that. And that is probably one of the biggest disappointments of the season that we won't get to see the 24-7 belt. <laughs> defended uh, on the sidelines. Look, if Gronk is the dominating physical presence that he was during the peak Gronk years, then Bruce Arians will find a way to uh, use him. Any coach would find a way to use him there. I think that going back to injuries and the decline that they make, players get injured throughout their careers. And part of being a successful player and lasting longer than the average in the National Football League is being able to manage those injuries and to adapt to your new role or the new limitations that you have as a player. I think that Belichick, in my view got the best that he could out of Gronk, knowing that Gronk was in decline due to his injuries. 
he stopped putting him into the collisions and putting the ball up and making him make those catches that had led to him getting broken down over the last few years, making him more of just a blocking tight end. And, you know, it, it kind of worked because when Gronk is on the field there, teams are still going to be questioning, is Gronk going to dart off here? Is he going to do a wide post run or something? Is Gronk going to go and make a catch? But when Gronk was blocking, it was making the still ask that question but he was, you know, a proficient blocker. But they were paying too much for a blocking tight end. Like, I mean, you know, you shouldn't be paying more than a mil a year for a blocking tight end. Yeah. Whether he can still be that, I have serious doubts of whether we're still going to get those kind of performances that we used to get. Yeah. But then what about the rest of the wide receiving core there at Tampa Bay? Because they've, they've got a lot of hype as well. I know we were just talking about the Browns and as someone that has Baker Mayfield in fantasy, I, I resent that comment, Joe. <laughs> But it's true. They've been a letdown. <laughs> They've been at- atrocious. But look, it's it's interesting you bring up the Browns there. I think that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin again a lot of hype in lots of news sites. They're being called the best wide receiving tandem in the National Football League right now. I disagree with that. I think they're proficient. I think they're good. I think they're above average. But look, if I'm going to compare Mike Evans, who is the de facto number one wide receiver there. Mike Evans isn't a Hopkins. He's not a Devante Adams. He's not a Julio Jones. I see him more as Jarvis Landry. And when you look at the yardage and touchdowns that he produces, I think he's more of a Landry. You know, Landry's a very good player. He's a top 20 wide receiver, but that's the perceived quality that I have of Mike Evans. I don't think that he's top five. I think Chris Godwin, again, he's good, but they're not the top tandem in the National Football League. I just do not think they yeah. are. I mean, Mike Evans had that massive year. What was it about three years ago now? Three yep. seasons ago. Yep. But he fell off massively the following season, and then he regained a little bit last season. But it's still nothing compared to to the heights that he reached previously, right? And I suppose the yeah. question is, will he ever return to that? I think a lot of people, when they think about Mike Evans, they think fondly of him with those kind of rose-tinted glasses of what he produced three years ago. But in terms of what he's delivered recently, it's certainly not the output that I'm sure the Bucks were hoping for. Well, it's a really hard kind of career to to really work out. He's never had a bad year. He's never had a single year in the National Football League where he's had less than 1,000 receiving yards. And I mean, that's commendable. He's a six-year vet now, never had less than a 1,000 yards. Mm. So he's not a bad player. He's a very good player. But in terms of touchdown conversion here, now in his first year in rookie season, 12 touchdowns, 2014. Year after that, three. 2016, 12 touchdowns. Year after that, five. He's had eight touchdowns for the last two campaigns. I mean, back in 2018, though, he had over 1,500 yards. So he's had a couple of years where the touchdowns have been great. But when you look at that yardage and the touchdowns there, he's like a high-end possession receiver. And that sounds like it's doing him a bit of a disservice there. But he's not getting the touchdowns that Hopkins is. He's not getting the touchdowns that Devante Adams is. Yeah. And I don't think that Brady is going to make that better. Because you can say what you like about Jameis Winston. but he, He was a gunslinger. He was throwing it out there. He was airing that ball. And, you know, the accuracy might not have always been there, but he was playing in a way that was giving the opportunity for big plays and touchdowns. And I think that Brady's going to be playing a lot more conservative. Well, and maybe this is unfair, but watching him last season, you felt like, I think the distance that he was chucking, right? It felt like his power was dropping a bit. He wasn't making some of the bigger plays that we've seen Brady make in the past, right? Uh, Brady, Brady's never been like a super arm right he's never been like a Peyton Manning he's never been a Phil Rivers you know throwing 
boomers. That's not been what Brady's about. But there were a few times last season, I do agree with you, where you had receivers who would be starting to make some separation down the field who you'd be looking at for a big throw and he'd either underthrow them or miss. Yeah. Throws that Pete Brady would have made easy. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, look, he's 40, 43 years old going into this oh, sure. season now. Yeah. He keeps himself in remarkable shape, but the power eventually does go. And, you know, you wear down, you break down. He's not going to be playing that gunslinger game that James Winston played. He's just not going to be playing that. No. It means that there'll be fewer turnovers from Tampa Bay, of course, but you're not going to have those games where they're scoring, you know, 40 points and conceding 35. And you know what? Maybe that'll be enough, right? Because maybe cutting down those turnovers is going to be enough to make them a more competitive team. I think it's going to be really interesting because I think to your point, they're going to have to change the way they play. So it's going to be really interesting to see what becomes of that, I think. I agree, but there's still a couple of places where there's questions on that team. The D gave up a lot of points last year. The D was a weakness, and there's problems there. But if they're not turning over as much and they don't have to be on the field as much, does that change the outcome? Yes. Like, how many points did they give away last year because they were just tired? Mm. There's that question there. They must hate Jameis. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably probably not that... uh, Well-loved amongst the the defensive players. Yeah, he's he's probably not too well loved amongst them there. The D, and look... Running back as well. I think there's a lot that needs to be coming from Rojo this year, going into his third mm. year now. And I mean, he was massively disappointing year one. He had fumbleitis, he was dropping yeah. catches. He looked like a college player who just could not make the leap. He had some better games last year and he definitely showed an improvement. I think that Brady loves the safety valve. He loves that little scat back that he can dunk the ball to. Like I said, James White had the second most yards in New England last year. Yeah, I think that I think that Rojo has to step up to the plate if they are going to be competitive. He's shown glimpses. Well, but that's what you said to begin with, though. That's my concern: is that James White is a safe pair of hands. Is Rojo? I would question that based on. I mean, I suppose the the fumbles came back to a more level area last season, but that first season was embarrassing yeah. wasn't yeah, it yeah no it was a terrible first season and I mean when you think that first season I think it was Jaquise Rogers who was picked in front of him now Jaquise Rogers has never really been a starting running back at all he's he's been second or third on the depth chart in most teams that he played for Jaquise Rogers was favoured to Rojo in Rojo's first year and then last year who was it was, was it Barber who was being picked in front of him as well so it's a shaky looking running back room and mm. if there's a weakness in the offence it's fair. Because, I mean, there's names across the rest of the O. You've got Mike Evans. You've got Chris Godwin. Like I said, I don't think that they're the best wide receiver duo in the league, but they're good. Tight end-wise, you're a sport of a choice. You've still got OJ Howard. You've still got Cameron Bray. You've still got Gronk. So even if Gronk is just used as a decoy or a blocking tight end, great. You've got Gronk on the field. It just lifts the team. So then if you've got weakness with the Pats in wide receiver, you've got weakness with the Bucks. In terms of running backs, one position that you'd say there definitely isn't a weakness in Green Bay would be the quarterback position. <laughs> so yeah, so, so here we are. So this is the um, first podcast that we're doing, but I think just for a little bit of context here, Chaz is a Green Bay fan and I'm a Vikings fan, so we have our differences, <laughs> to put it lightly. Look, Green Bay, yeah, let's 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 talk let's about not. Green Bay. Can we not? Um, <laughs> 
No, no, no. Let's talk about Green Bay because when we're talking about wealth of riches in the receiver position, it was looking like last season, the start of last season, that the only wide receiver who Rodgers hadn't drama queened and upset was Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically he bullied out, according to some reports, all of the younger wide receivers, Gantlin Valdez, whoever he's else is there. there. He's still there. Yeah, no, he, no he's... He's still there, but um, he's not exactly flavour of the month or flavour of the year with Rogers. I just think the problem is that none of them are really any good except for Adams, right? Like, he's he's the only talent that they have in that position. I mean, look, Valdez Scanlon, when he came in, he was a rookie. And I mean, if you believe there be reports, Rogers really gave him a tough time. And you make rookie mistakes, you're a rookie. Rookie mistakes happen. Mm. And... There was no forgiveness. There was no. There was no willing to develop the player. Rogers was expecting perfection from day one, and when he didn't get that, the reports, if you believe them, say that he turned on those players. And it looks believable when you see on the field that basically the only player that he was looking at for half season was Devante Adams. Then there's perhaps some truth to the rumors. I think. Look, if I'm a Green Bay fan, which I'm certainly not, um, <laughs> Lazard. At the end of last season, looked good. Whether he's a reliable enough for a number two receiver, I don't think so. But certainly as the third wide receiver, Lazard starting to make some decent plays. And most importantly, looked like he's starting to get a trust of uh, Aaron Rodgers as well. Yeah, but one one position you sure as hell didn't need to back up was the quarterback position, right? Really strange one, man. I mean, what made it worse was that they traded up to get him. And sure, it was only two spots, but it just felt like such a reach for a position that they've got shored up. I mean, he's on a long-term contract. He's with the team for another four years, barring, you know, any drastic injury or retirement or anything. So Rogers won't be on the Green Bay Packers in four years well, now. I will, yeah, I, mean, I will almost guarantee that. This has changed things, right? This has changed things, yeah. The way that his contract is structured... I think that he will still be there next year because I think he's got something like 13 million guaranteed next year. It doesn't make sense to cut him or trade him next Mm. year. I think year three is when Rodgers goes. It's very interesting. I swear to God, if you pick up another Green Bay quarterback, (laughs) I will never forgive you. You already did it with Father. I can't go through that again, man. (laughs) You know, uh, us Vikings love to pick up your quarterback trash and, you know, in two years time Cousins will be coming to the end of his guaranteed contract then so there could be some some, some interesting moves there I, it terrifies me I mean the stars are aligning again and it makes me nervous I don't think it will happen because I think that Rogers hates the Vikings I mean when you look at what Anthony Barr did to him a couple of seasons ago Rogers doesn't like the Vikings at all you think there's too much bad blood there I don't think he's going to sign for the Vikings I don't see it happening we would love it to happen we would love it to happen but I but no I don't think that will happen yeah Rogers will be going, though. Rogers will be going. Now, like you say, it's extremely interesting they traded up to draft Jordan Love in the first round. I mean, just a thought process there. Who was going to take Jordan Love at, what was it? Was it 2025? Was it 25 that he went? No, I think we traded up, I thought, two spots. Jordan Love went 26. He went 26. But who was really going to take him at 26? Well, yeah, exactly. (laughs) At 27, you had Seattle, and they weren't in the market for a quarterback. 28, you had Baltimore, and they weren't in the market for a quarterback. 
you know. Yeah, it was crazy. And Jordan Love isn't a plug and so right, he's not a plug and play quarterback. Green Bay's thinking here is kind of classic thinking is we can make a Patrick Mahomes of him. We'll have him sat on the bench for a year, and then he'll come off the bench in a year's time and be amazing. That seems to be the thought process here. I don't think it's going to work from what I've seen of Jordan Love. Well, that that's my problem, right? Is that I mean, don't get me wrong, he looks like a good quarterback, but enough to bet that he's going to be a new Patrick Mahomes or a new Aaron Rodgers. There's nothing that stands out from his college performances that suggests that that is a likelihood. I'm not not to say that it couldn't happen, but it, it's not like you looked at the kid and thought, yes, that's his trajectory. It seems like such a gamble where there didn't need to be a gamble. I mean, look, Green Bay went out to the 49ers. They were one win away from a Super Bowl. This is him. This is why if you are a Green Bay fan, you've got to be just questioning what they doing off. here. Pardon the pun. They got beaten. <laughs> sure, they got beaten by a San Fran, but they didn't get embarrassed by San Fran, you know, the same way that the Vikings did. They held their own for a fair part of that game. They were one game of Super Bowl. They were one game of Super Bowl and it didn't take a top scout to realise that Rodgers needed more options in a passing yeah. game. At tight end, they've got nothing there. And that's no disrespect to Jimmy Graham, but Jimmy Graham isn't the same player that he was back in his Saints days when he was a fantasy monster. I mean, those Saints days feel like a long time ago now. Jimmy Graham had three or four decent years at the Saints. Then after he went to Seattle, he's really just, really just tailed off. Well, I mean, we talk about this every year, right, in terms of the way that the tight end landscape goes. There's, what, two or three really good tight ends that add value to a team. And then after that, the drop-off's quite dramatic, isn't it? Yeah, there aren't enough elite tight ends to go around. Different teams use tight ends in different ways. You know, you've got teams like the Vikings who are playing two tight ends in a lot of their base plays. And then you've got teams that hardly use the tight end position as a receiver at all. The way that Green Bay play and the lack of options they have out wide... You'd think they'd want to use a tight end position more. But Jimmy Graham just has not been that player that they've needed. He's no. he's not been good enough. And I'm trying to think back to the last time that... Well, but there you go. So what do we do following our quarterback pick? We pick up a tight end from a class of tight ends that is, quite frankly, desperate. It wasn't a year where the scouts believed that this was a strong tight end class. It certainly wasn't. This was a year where you're almost drowning in wide receivers. You're almost drowning. So to come out of the draft without a single wide receiver when it's clearly an area that needs reinforcing, I mean, a lot of people were baffled. Yards of the Green Bay receivers last year. As good as Devante Adams was, he didn't have more than 1,000 yards. Just shy of it, 997. 997 receiving yards. Only five TDs. I thought he had more than that last year. I'm surprised at that. 997 yards, five TDs. Alan Lazard, like I spoke about earlier on, 477 yards, three TDs. Then you've got Aaron Jones. Then you've got Marcus Valdez Scanlin. Jimmy Graham, 447 yards, three TDs. Very, very mediocre. And I mean, this is a guy, you could say, oh, Joe, that's pretty average. That's not too bad. I mean, this is a guy who's on a big contract, right? Jimmy Graham isn't a cheap player. You'd expect a bigger return for what he's getting paid than 447 yards and three touchdowns. For sure. And then you've got players like Geronimo Allison, who again, I think was another player who was a young wide receiver who did something to tick off Aaron Rodgers. 
and and you know doesn't get the ball as much as he might have done in a different team. He only started six games as well, so uh, you know it wasn't a great season for Geronimo Allison. You look there, and there's just there's just very little depth. The, the second tight end is Mercedes Lewis, who I mean you know was an average tight end at the Jaguars. Nothing wrong with him. Made a few decent plays, but he's not a great player. He's 35 years old. Jimmy Graham, 33 years old. Like it, it's an old tight end room. And they're not doing much. This is a team, like we said, who were in the NFC Championship game. Yeah. Who gave the NFC champions a close run. Who were screaming out for receivers in an extremely receiver-deep draft class and didn't take one. And instead of doing that, they traded up in the first round and they picked a development quarterback who almost certainly won't be playing this year. And, you know, let's be honest, probably won't be playing next year as well. And I can't I can't see Rodgers being friendly enough to tutor him. <laughs> it's really hard. You know, I'm not a Green Bay fan. I don't pay as much attention to Green Bay as I do, say, the Vikings. But I find Rodgers an enigma, really. You see some things about him, uh, that he's a nice guy, that he's a gent. You see some things about him that make him sound like a precocious diva. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think you're right. He had a chip on his shoulder where he got drafted. He he got drafted late. He got drafted at Green Bay, which I think at that time he felt wasn't the right fit for him, sitting behind Father of Four, the amount of time he sat behind him. Mm. I think it's no secret that Rodgers was not happy with how the draft went and how he responds to that. I would expect that he won't respond to it particularly well. I wouldn't have thought so. But I don't know him. Yeah, well, none of us do. <laughs> we, no, we don't know him, so... You know, um, we'll give him a benefit of a doubt there. Mm, yeah, wait and see. But for a team that went so close last year, it almost seems that they've decided that was enough and they're already going to rebuild. It just boggles the mind, really, because from a kind of cap stance and everything else, there was definitely the scope to really go for it. And, like, you know, there's teams which aren't in championship windows that think they're in championship windows that are all in going for it. And you've got... The Packers, who you know, arguably are in a window if they just strengthened in the right places, and they've just not gone for it. it boggles the mind. Yeah. So then, on to other big quarterback names. What about the number one draft pick, Burrow? What are your thoughts on him? Joe Burrow, great, great college career. I mean, when you look at his stats, what he was doing last year at LSU, great, great season. It'll be interesting, as is the case when you're the first pick. You're going to a team that's had problems. He's going to the Bengals. But the the one thing I would say is there is some talent there in the Bengals. They've had a bit of bad luck with AJ Green that's been injured consistently for like the last two years. Yeah. They've got a decent pass catching running back in Mixon. I mean, their O-line is probably the scariest thing for a, for a new quarterback going into the team, right? It just looks like paper, which is worrying if you're a new quarterback and you want some level of protection, certainly while you're trying to find your feet in the NFL, because I imagine there'll be some hits coming Burrow's way that he's not quite ready for. Yeah, if you're a Bengals fan and you look at some of the great offensive linemen that have had down the years, you know, your Anthony Munez's, those types of players, and you look at the offensive line that they have now, it's depressing probably they didn't they didn't really strengthen the o-line much at all during the draft i mean they picked up hakeem at in the sixth round 180th pick but aside from that no draft picks were spent on the offensive line for cincinnati there's so many areas of that team that are weak you mentioned mixon but then there's there's nothing else really there aj green yeah aj green was a good receiver 
like I mean, when you look at his first few seasons, again, when he's been fit, he's been a player who'd never dropped below a thousand yards. Yeah. Rookie season, over a thousand yards. Sophomore season, thirteen fifty. Then goes up to fourteen twenty six. And what's more, he was hitting the touchdowns in his years as well. Seven, eleven, eleven. He started to have the injury problems around twenty sixteen, played a full season in twenty seventeen, but it wasn't a bad year for him again. 2017, 16 games played, over a 1,000 yards, 8 touchdowns. You know, that's not bad at all. But the injuries and the amount of time that he's had out, he's not a player who you want to necessarily rely on to carry your O going through the season. Yeah, yeah, sure. But yeah, there are other talents there, right? They've got Tyler Boyd, John Ross. John John Ross. Does he still hold the uh, record for the fastest 40 time at the Combine? I think he's a Combine hero by the way his career has panned out. A combine hero who ran a ridiculously fast 40-yard dash. And then in terms of actually playing the game, he's never really done anything. He's someone who potentially, if he was on a team like the Bucks, where Winston is going to just throw bombs at him, maybe he'd have had a better career. But John Ross has not had a great career today. I don't think I'm being harsh in saying that at all. Tyler Boyd is a very average player, let's be honest. My point is, he's going somewhere that it's not bereft of wide receivers he's not going somewhere that he doesn't have an opportunity to shine do you think the Bengals have a better wide receiver room than New England do Uh, that is such a good question I would say yes I think Edelman despite what his children's book might say is not flying high anymore I'm going to disagree with you I think that Edelman is a safer and better bet than AJ Green I think that when you risk adjust AJ Green as a player, there's so much risk for him coming into the season. I don't think he wants to play for the Bengals. Yeah, I think Nikhil Harry would be the swing player, right? Yeah. If he actually becomes something, then you you probably would go towards New England. But if he doesn't step up, then I'd feel confident in saying that I prefer the Bengals receiver core. Interesting, interesting. And I'm I'm just looking, I'm just looking at the stats from last year. Go hit me. Okay, so look, so 2019 Bengals, Tyler Boyd, maybe I'm doing him a slight disservice, over a 1,000 yards last year, only only five touchdowns, only a 60.8 catch rate, but, you know, he had over a 1,000 yards, and, and you can't knock a player who's had over a 1,000 yards. I wouldn't say that he stepped into the wide receiver one role, but... No, no. But but he was an all right pair of hands. I think I think he's a solid wide receiver too, yeah. He had Auden Tate, then at 5.75, Alex Erickson at 5.29, and you had John Ross, 506 yards and three touchdowns. When you just look at it on those kind of terms, the wide receivers for the Bengals last year were putting up more yards on average, really, than what the Patriots receivers were in a pure wide receiver stance. Mm. The team total yardage, 3994, is extremely similar to what the New England total was. The difference is a lot more of those yards in New England went to running backs. And this is the baffling thing because a lot of people talk about Mixon and, and the talent that is there at running back, but the Bengals just don't seem to use him. When you look at Joe Mixon's build, Joe Mixon looks like a player who'd catch the ball more or would have the ball thrown to him more. But And there's no history there of like fumbling or anything like that. You know, when they have used him as a receiving back, he's performed well. He didn't fumble the ball once last year. His catch rate was the best in the team, really, at 77.8%. Mixon's, yeah, Mixon's catch rate was better than all wide receivers. Now, don't get me wrong, it should be as a running back. You're you're getting easier catches. But uh, what can you say, really? That's not how the plays were drawn up. The forgotten man in the uh, Cincinnati is Tyler Eifert, really. I mean, you look back a few years ago, 
He had a great couple of seasons. Uh, was a very solid fantasy player for those of us playing fantasy in his 2015 season when he had 13 touchdowns. I mean, since then, injury problems, big injury problems. He's not played more than half a season for a long time. Last year, he started four games. Played in 16, but only started four games three seasons prior to that didn't start more than two games. I think they've been hurt by that. I think that the way that Tyler Eifert was shaping up, he was shaping up into a very, very, very good tight end. And injuries have just meant that's not really happened. And if people might look back on Tyler Eifert and see him as a career of what could have been. I mean, as an Arsenal fan, as well as a Green Bay fan, I can I can feel the Bengals' pain. They've There's talent there, but they just can't keep anyone healthy, can they? I don't think the Bengals are, are an org that run particularly well and yet the Patriots still felt the need to record their practices. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. And that's cost them a third round pick. I mean, against the Bengals, who had, I think at that point that they were playing New England, only won one game. If they'd even won one game. Yeah. I mean, my mind is blown by that decision. <laughs> why, why the Patriots felt the need to try and get an extra edge on the Bengals, I have no idea. It just goes to show, really, the kind of level of prep that Belichick does and the, the prudence of his prep that he'd go and get someone to fill. The prudence of his prep. Yeah, ma- madness. Okay. Uh, but look, hey, look. They did that and they finished 12-4. So, you know, something must be working yeah. for them. We'll see what happens this season. Look, I think we're hardly scratching the surface here of uh, quarterbacks in the draft. And I think we can really get our teeth into that perhaps next time. So now might be a good time to call it a day on this one, Chaz. Sounds like a plan. If you've listened all the way through, thank you very much. And hopefully we'll, um, we'll be talking to you again next time. Yeah, we've really enjoyed putting this on. So we want to keep it running for as long as possible. Hoping to reach more and more listeners as we go. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.